All right, so we're blessed to have our first message for the day, brought to us by Reg Noland. It's an entitled Resilience. This is something topical, and I've put together as uh, uh, PowerPoint presentations for you as well. Okay, so topical, why? How it deals with the COVID. Okay. Okay. All right now? Yeah, there we go. That's better. Okay, so this is what we look like now. We're, we're uh, surrounded with masks and things and, uh, and the like. So our current our current bout with the COVID-19 virus has devastated our population and forced us inside into isolation and quarantine and or behind masks. But amid all this plague, an odd, um, I this, I was, uh, you could follow along with me as well, uh, but amid all this uh, plague, an odd phenomenon has emerged. Because human activity has decreased so much, the earth has begun to heal itself. Huh. In fact, give you an idea of how much, this is the Los Angeles skyline. Before COVID-19, since the quarantine. Did you know there were the Sierra Nevada mountains behind Los, An uh, Los Angeles? Couldn't see them from the ground until the air cleared. And the air currents have uh, cleansed the smog from many of our big cities. In fact, and this is documented, on Tuesday, the 21st of April, 2020, IQ Air, a Swiss air quality technology company, um, uh, uh, monitoring the air quality levels of major cities around the world, declared that Los Angeles, of all places, Los Angeles, which usually has very dirty air, had the cleanest air of all the monitored big cities. Isn't that ironic? Okay. All right, further, the murky waters of the world's most polluted river, the Ganges River, in eastern India and Bangladesh, flowed clear enough that one could actually drink from it. Now, let me help you get your bearings. Okay, this is uh, Bangladesh uh, uh, here on the left, on the eastern side of, let's see, where's the, where's the uh, there it is. Okay, here's Bangladesh over here on the left. Uh, here's India. The uh, Ganges River flows along the northern um, border. This is the floodplain of the Himalaya Mountains right above, and then it empties into the Bay of Bengal down here. Now, normally, this is a very, very polluted river. Show you how polluted. This is the COVID-19. This is before COVID-19. Look at that. See all the plastic trash and garbage and things? This, is, this river is the most sacred river in India. And in it, it has uh, the sewage. It has human waste, animal waste. Uh, they, they bathe in it. They d d drink from it. Um, they even empty the cremated uh, ashes of their loved ones into this river. Okay? 
So this is what it was. This is what it was before COVID-19. Look at what happened when you just leave Earth alone and let it cleanse itself. Look at that. Doesn't even look like the same river, does it? Doesn't. Wow. That's what I find amazing. The Earth is resilient. My pages. Then one more interesting thing that happened after it, and that is this. In addition, wild animals in many places have returned to roll the city streets, deserted of human beings during the COVID-19 quarantine. So here we have the sheep coming in to uh, see what's happening to their wool. I don't know what that is. I think it's a hyena. I'm not sure what that one is. Um, there's some deer uh, passing through. This was an army of monkeys that had actually invaded a town here. Okay, and of course, Bullwinkle wants to know what's going on too, right? Okay. When God created man, oh, let's see. This phenomena are encouraging to me. First of all, this is my motivation for, for doing this message. These phenomena are most encouraging to me, for they indicate <coughs> how resilient Mother Earth really is. For years, years, I have worried that mankind has so polluted Mother Earth that she would not be able to recover. But now I have hope. For God designed nature to be restorative, regenerative, self-sustaining, if human beings would just get out of the way or live in harmony with nature. Unfortunately, far too many greedy profiteers place greater emphasis on short-term profits than on long-term sustainability. When God created man and placed him in the Garden of Eden, he gave him the injunction to dress and keep the earth and to be his caretaker. Matt, you know all about that, right? <clears throat> no, he's busy. Uh, then God, uh, the Lord God took the man and placed him in the Garden of Eden to tend and to keep it, or to dress and to keep it. Okay. While some groups, like the Native Americans, while some groups, like, such as the Native Americans, have honored and respected the land, many others have exploited the earth for her natural resources and the short-term profits and their that their exploitation would provide, ignoring their obligations to future generations, such as what uh, Jeremiah laments. Lamentations 5-7 says, Our fathers sinned and are no more, but we bear their iniquities. So, all the sins of our forefathers, the people who exploited the prophet, have left us holding the bag, effectively. Okay. For our generation, we bear the consequences of that iniquity. Climate change, let's pick up some of them. Our climate change and extreme temperatures, air and water pollution, heat waves and firestorms, nutrient depleted soil, contaminated land and water, floods and hurricanes, mudslides and earthquakes, drought and tornadoes, insect infestation, noise, light and airway pollution, drug resistant viruses and plagues, food not fit to eat. That's what we've got as a result of the exploitive nature of our ancestors. 
Um, why? That's a good question. Why? Jeremiah 17.9 makes, makes plain the reason. The human heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? So instead of preserving God's gift, the earth, our, the earth, uh, our ancestors exploited the earth's resources for short-term gain instead of long-term prosperity. And just like many uh, modern, less-than-honest entrepreneurs, now all, not all businessmen are, are that way, but the ones that are less-than-honest, they have used deceitful weights and measures to gain wealth at others' expense. Nowhere is that better illustrated um, and the, the wickedness of the human heart reveal than the selfish exploitation of our fellow human beings and natural resources. Micah 6 is a great illustration of this one. It says, this is Micah 6, verses 10 through 12. Are there yet the treasures of wickedness in the house of the wicked and the short measure that is an abomination? Shall I count pure those with the wicked scales and with a bag of deceitful weights? For her rich men are full of violence, her inhabitants have spoken lies, and their tongue is deceitful in their mouth. Now, God loves his creation. Okay? It's the work of his hands. He's proud of it. He does not want to see it abused. The design of the universe, ours and us included, is complex and elegant. God declared, if you remember back in Genesis, God declared that each piece of creation was good. The design of the universe is worthy of awe and respect, as David uh, offered in Psalm 8, for example. The design of the universe is intricate, with each part interacting with the others. I don't know if you're aware of it or not, but there are things that we are um, discovering today that we had no idea we'd ever have use for. For example, the venom of poisonous animals, like poison tree frogs or certain snakes or things, are now being shown to be cures for cancer. They're using the poisons from these animals to kill the cancer cells. Hmm. Who would have thought? Um, Mark, I think it was, said, There's not, we don't use the book of Esther all that well. There's one line in it that I really appreciate, and it is, you have brought us here for such a time as this. Everything for such a time as this. It's no accident. It's no coincidence that all of these things are coming to bear at this time. All of these have been around forever. But we're just now finding a use for them, a need for them, as we discover what they are. Okay. So, um, I got, I got sidetracked. Um, Okay, the design includes redundancies and built-in regenerative properties. God is proud, pleased with the work of his hand. And he is watching us and judging our stewardship of his creation. Now, Nehemiah acknowledges uh, this, that the, this elegance and praises God for the grandeur of his design, for its intricacy and interweaves the atmosphere, the hydrosphere, the lithosphere, and the biosphere, all into an organic whole. And um, let's see, this is Nehemiah 9, 6. You alone are the Lord. You have made heaven the heaven of heavens with all the hosts, the earth and everything on it, the seas and all that is in them, and you preserve them all. The hosts of heavens worship you. 
This is a great blessing and a warning. You know, Mr. Monk says it's a blessing and a curse. Well, this one is a great blessing and a warning in this case that God gave to Israel as they were about to enter into the promised land and follow their exile into Egypt. This is Deuteronomy 11, 10 through um, 15. Okay. Uh, for the land which you go to possess is not like the land of Egypt from which you have come, where you sowed your seed and watered it by foot. That means they carried the water to their watering pots and, and watered it like a garden terrace, a terrace garden, okay, uh, as a vegetable garden. But the land which you cross over to possess is full of hills and valleys which drinks water from the rain of heaven. A land for which the Lord your God cares. The eyes of the Lord your God are always on it. From the beginning of the year to the end of the year. So God is watching. And it shall be that if you earnestly obey my commandments, which I command you today, to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, then I will give you the rain for your land in its season, the early rain and the latter rain, that you may gather in your grain, your new wine and your oil, and I will send grass in your fields for your livestock, that you may uh, eat and be filled. Now what amazes me most is that despite how much we abuse and, uh, and we continue to inflict upon, how much abuse we continue to inflict upon Mother Earth, she can usually bounce back if that abuse is not too severe and a man will just get out of the way. There's an old saying, lead, follow, or get out of the way. We need to get out of the way in this case. Consider what just happened with the COVID-19 lockdown. With us human beings quarantined inside our home, not contributing to the deterioration of planet Earth, nature, through God's design, was able to partially correct many of the world's ills. As I showed you at the beginning of this presentation, the winds and the air current cleared out much of the smog. The clear headwaters of the Himalaya Mountains and many other rivers um, flushed out the pollution, the breeze from the seas, uh, from the rivers into the seas where they were digested um, by God's garbage scowls. God made garbage scowls. They made, for example, oysters and lobsters and crab and clam and shrimp and lots of other shellfish not to be eaten, but to be the ones that are the garbage scowls to clean up the world. They have a purpose. They have a, a part of the design. They were created specifically for that purpose, not for food, lest we get sick from eating garbage and sewage secondhand. That's what you're doing if you eat those things. This, ours is a God of regeneration and renewal. And let's see. Psalms 104.30 says, You send forth your spirit, they are created, and you renew the face of the earth. Now Solomon, the preacher of the Ecclesiastic, commented on Thomas such elegance of the design when he, wrote, when he uh, made an observation about the wind. He said, The wind goes toward the south. It turns and goes to the north. The wind whirls uh, about continually and comes again on a circuit. And all the rivers run into the sea. Yet the sea is not full. To the place, uh, to the place from the rivers come, there they return again. Our God is supreme. He reigns supreme. Isaiah 45, 5 through 8. 
I am the Lord, and there is no other uh, God. Uh, and there is no other. There is no God beside me. I will gird you, though you have not known me. That they may know from the rising of the sun to its setting that there is none beside me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. I form the light and create the darkness. I make peace and create calamity. I, the Lord, do all these things. Rain down, you heavens from above. Let the skies pour down righteousness. Let the earth open. Let them bring forth salvation. And let righteousness spring up together. I, the Lord, have created. However, God does appreciate, he does want to be appreciated for his gifts. With a modest request, really. He wants to be acknowledged as the creator, designer, sustainer of the universe and the life forms that dwell therein. To be a loving father to, uh, for his children, still disobedient children. Okay? He offers us great gifts of love with built-in rewards if we obey his rules and built-in correction if we live contrary to his law. First John 5.3 says, for, the love, for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. It's not like some great burden that he placed upon it. They're really not all that difficult, really, in terms of the literal. Uh, so why do we have such trouble? Why do we have such trouble keeping them? It's simple, really. It says very simply this. If you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and perform them, then I will give you rain in this season. The land shall yield its produce, and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. So again, why is it so, uh, so hard for us to keep them? That is a future message I'm going to bring. So I'll tell you that later. Okay, I really do understand I really do understand how God could regret having created man. How it must grieve his heart to love us so much, only to have us reject that love by doing evil continually. Genesis 6, 6. Is that the verification on that one? And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. Jeremiah laments our shortcoming and pleads for God to turn us around for our own good. Turn us back to you, O Lord, and we will be restored. Renew our days of old. Yeah. Personally, I am so glad that we have a forgiving God. Aren't you? Okay. One who does not just mete out blind justice, but is merciful instead. God is not fair. Do you realize that? He's not. He's merciful instead. I'd much rather have a merciful God than a fair one. If I were to get my just desserts, I'd be in deep trouble. He's, uh, he is merciful instead. He's one who anticipates our frailties and made provisions for, uh, for our redemption by design, just as he anticipated our abuse of earth and made provisions for its regeneration. If we would just get human nature out of the way. Isaiah 
49.8 says, Thus says the Lord, In an acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. I will preserve you and will give you as a covenant to the people to restore the earth, to cause them to inherit the desolate heritages. This is our loving God. Ours is a very loving God, able to forgive and to forget our transgressions, willing to start anew with us as children in the millennial reign and beyond, who holds out the promise and hope of restoration as told by the prophets Isaiah and Joel. Isaiah 65, uh, 17. For behold, I create new heavens and new earth, and the former shall not be remembered nor come to mind. Not only he's going to forget them, they're out of his mind. He doesn't even remember them anymore. Uh-oh, blank pages. And Joel, this is the passage from Joel 2. Be glad then, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he... Uh, has given you the former rain faithfully. He will cause the rain to come down for you, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. The threshing floors shall be full of wheat, and the vats shall overflow with new wine and oil. So I will restore to you the years of the swarming locusts that eaten, the crawling locusts, the consuming locusts, and the chewing locusts, my great army which I sent among you. I'm going to close with the ultimate hope of restoration. This is what we have to look forward to in the kingdom. Um, this is Revelation 21, 1 through 7. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death or sorrow or crying. There will be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things. And I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Wow. Isn't that something to look forward to? The resilience of earth. To be able to come back from all of man's pollution, all of man's contamination. It just boggles my mind that it was able to do so. And it took COVID-19 to make us realize that. May you be resilient.